Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Trump gets worse every day, so why aren't more people in the streets? Katha Pollitt has been thinking about that. Of course, she's a poet, essayist, and award-winning columnist for The Nation. Her most recent book is Pro, Reclaiming Abortion Rights. Katha, welcome back. Hi, John. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, remind us about the great days of protest right after Trump took office in January 2017. Well, it was pretty exciting. It seemed there was almost a year there where people demonstrated all the time. First of all, there was the the Women's March the day after the inauguration. That was huge. One of the biggest demonstrations that there had ever been. There were marches for science, for the environment. There was a big march on income tax day about Trump not revealing his taxes, which is still, you know, we could do that every year. Oh, that's still going on. And other ones as well. And it just seemed that uh, there was this practical orgy of phoning your congressperson and your senator, sending postcards. I used to postcard the White House all the time. (laughs) just saying, I hate, just want you to know, I still hate you. <laughs> um, and I was far from alone. I want to also say that remember when um, voters would confront Republican lawmakers when they would have their town halls in their district. I remember there was a picketing even of Democrats like Sidney, like uh, Senator Schumer at his house uh, when he seemed too eager to compromise with Trump. So there was a lot of militancy at many different levels. So first we had a year of militant, massive, nationwide protests. And then there was a second chapter in the resistance as the midterm elections approached. Remind us about that. Yes. Then there was, uh, which is still going on, local organizing around elections. And that has been pretty successful. We took back the, in 2018, we took back the House. We made important progress in the states. 
black voters mobilized. There was, a, you know, a big drive to get people registered, to get people the papers they need to register. And there was in, in, Indivisible and Run, Vote, Lead and Swing Left. The Democratic Socialists of America were very active. All that on the ground, door-to-door stuff is really important. And you know who was doing a lot of it? It's really interesting was these mostly suburban, mostly white women of the resistance with a capital R. And that was very effective and very important when you consider that 52% of white women voted for Trump in the first place. And that was then, and this is now. Where are we now? You know, this is what I wonder. And, you know, I'm sure I miss a lot, but we have this enormous crisis on the border. We have the most horrible things happening there. We have, you know, children in cages and families being separated and little kids being taken away with no identification to get them back to their families. Just terrible things. People have died in those places. And there has been a lot of fundraising, um, a lot of it online, um, and I'm sure most of the people listening to this have donated to HIAS and RICES and other groups, and there have been some demonstrations, <laughs> but it isn't it isn't what I would have expected. I, I went to um, a demonstration in New Haven on July 2nd, which was the day when there was a national call for demonstrations, and you know, there were 200 people there, and I felt like I almost knew them, you know? <laughs> they, they could all have been nation readers. I didn't feel that kind of breakout rage. I know there are things happening on the border itself, and, you know, there are lots and lots of good people doing lots and lots of good things, but the kind of thing where it really takes fire, I, I still don't see. My favorite recent protests... was the Lights for Liberty campaign, the vigil to end human detention camps, which brought thousands of Americans to detention centers, prisons around the country, into the streets, and sometimes in their own front yards to protest the inhumane conditions faced by refugees. The, The call was, shine a light, bring a candle. Here where we record our show in L.A., Almost 5,000 people gathered at dusk outside the ICE Metropolitan Detention Center downtown, and they shined their lights at the windows of the prison and chanted in Spanish, You are not alone. There were more than 20 other vigils like that just in Southern California, hundreds of others all over the country. I look at the list. There were six in Alabama, there were three in Arkansas, and this is now. Your Minnesota Moment news from my hometown of St. Paul that you won't get from Sean Hannity. There were Lights for Liberty vigils in 13 different cities and little towns in Minnesota. Like there was one in Grand Marais up by the Canadian border. There was one in Ely, the gateway to the Boundary Waters canoe wilderness. There was Elk River, which is the big ice detention center for Minnesota where several hundred Immigrant detainees are held in the Sherburne County Jail. Hundreds of people showed up there to protest. So this was a little bit like the Women's March, where it was it was decentered all around the country. Sometimes just a half a dozen people, sometimes thousands of people gathered 
for these protests. It didn't get the publicity that some of the bigger marches had, but I thought it was wonderful. Well, I think it's wonderful, too. And in fact, that happened the weekend I was, uh, that happened right before my column went to press. So I had to rewrite it to be a little more hopeful than than the original had been. And what about Me Too? It's not a street protest movement, but it's certainly changing America. Absolutely. And I guess I was thinking more about about the border. And Me, Me Too is a very interesting phenomenon because it isn't really a lot of demonstrations. Don't you think? Uh, I mean, has there been a big Me Too demonstration? I don't think so. Um, it's individual people, mostly in social media, telling what happened to them. Exactly, exactly. And uh, Me Too has really changed a lot of things. And I don't mean to play down people's activism, because a lot of people are very active, and, and social media is one of the places where they are. If we look around the world, is there any evidence anywhere in the world that street protests are effective? Well, these yellow vests in France are really something. They have been coming to Paris every Saturday for over half a year to protest uh, an increase in gas taxes, to rally against a lowered speed limit on country roads and ask for a raise in the minimum wage, to name just a few of their issues. And they've, they've won. They've won a lot. In Hong Kong, one in seven residents, imagine that, one in seven residents took to the streets over a law predict, permitting the extradition of um, criminal defendants to mainland China. Um, and that's still going on, and it's becoming quite violent and horrible. But the bill was shelved, and Carrie Lam, who's the territory's chief executive, apologized. I mean, she's still there, but say, I know people say, you know, oh, street protests, that's so, that's so 60s. That, that doesn't accomplish anything. That is really not true. It's really not true. And those are two examples of uh, places in which it's not true. And, you know, people power. People power has done a lot. People power overthrew the Marcos regime in, in, in um, the Philippines. And Puerto Rico. What about that? People power. I just wonder what would happen if we were a little more like that. So you're obviously right that despite the protests that we have seen and the the critical movements that have arisen, there certainly has been a dramatic decline of mass street protests in America compared to the year after Trump took office. Do you have any explanation for this? Is it just Trump fatigue? Well, I asked I asked a bunch of people that, and uh, one answer I got a lot of was, um, yeah, Trump fatigue. Every day it's a new awful thing, and you can't keep up. Another was people are depressed. Another was it's too hot. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't accept the weather, the weather explanation. But I think a lot of people are depressed, and they're concentrating on the little piece that they feel they can get somewhere with, and not so much the big picture. I think a big a big aspect of this is people are already turning to the presidential election, which is, you know, 16 or 15 months away. Um, but already, you know, that's in the headlines every day. And so I think there's a sense of like, well, okay, we've really got to concentrate on 2020 and not, you know, just aim everything at that. Well, after you wrote about this demobilization for your latest column in The Nation, your readers took to the comments section of the website to help us understand and 
provide their own answers to this question. And the, the most popular answer to the question of why are not people not taking to the streets anymore among the comments on your piece uh, was Nancy Pelosi. It's her fault. Let me quote this reader of your column. Why aren't people taking to the streets like they used to? Pelosi and the entire Democrat leadership are worthless and determined to take the nation back to the good old days of neoliberalism and republicanism light. They are determined to force another Clinton clone on us to animate a zombie Democrat like Joe Biden and swipe the nomination on the third ballot of the convention, close quote. This got 18 thumbs-up responses and only six thumbs-down responses. I noticed you did not post a reply. Um, I almost never post anything in the comments section because um, I think the level of discourse there is pretty low. Um, so. so you don't think Nancy Pelosi is the reason for the demobilization of street protest? No, I don't. I, I don't think so. I, I think we have to look into ourselves a little bit more. Do you have any concluding thoughts? Well, you know, in my piece, I said something I've been thinking about, which is I say we've internalized a tiny Trump who lives in our heads and jeers at our puny efforts, our letters, our clever memes, and our belief that facts are stubborn things. After all, everyone knows facts are just fake news. And I think that there's some truth to that. I think, you know, we love to portray Trump as completely ridiculous and ineffective and stupid, but that's not true. There's a way in which Trump is very clever as a propagandist, and I think that it's very demoralizing. It's very demoralizing to have him as our president. Katha Pollitt wrote about taking protests to the streets for her latest column. You can read it at thenation.com. Thank you, Katha. Always great to have you on the show. Thanks, John. Nice to be here. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.